Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, what an interesting week we've had here. Yes, it's been busy, you know, and um, gosh, we're, we're going to cover this in a minute, Steve, but, uh, you know, trying to predict the stock market during election cycles, during any cycle for that matter, is it's a losing proposition. So, I mean, just, just don't do it. I mean, with all the uncertainty that's out there, um, as we've talked about many times before, uh, elections don't drive the stock market long term. Not long term. It's just short term volatility. Yeah. Then things settle out. Uh, but, you know, we have to be honest here. We're sitting here on Wednesday after the election, and we don't really have all the answers yet. So I know a lot of people would love to hear us talk about the election a lot, but, you know, we kind of see where it's going. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a divided government. And, you know, the stock market actually loves divided government, right? Because yeah, it means you don't have big changes. The stock Potent- market loves certainty. Yeah, p- potentially blocks uh, one party from doing everything they want to. And, um, yeah, uh, and right now, I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, there's some positive things out there, Steve. Football's this weekend, right? Hey, speaking of which, we got some great games, don't we? Yeah. yeah let's pivot to that really quickly here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, uh, well, gee, my, my Tigers, Clemson, you know, we're playing Notre Dame, and we're playing with one arm tied behind our back. Yeah, I know. Well, that's that makes Ouch. it even now. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guys we are don't, so good. We don't have Trevor, so uh, he's going to be out still with the COVID. Yeah. I think he's going to be on the sidelines, you know, watching from afar. So Just bring another five-star quarterback yeah, in, right? You know? Well, hey, we do have that guy, man. I'm a, I still can't pronounce his last name, but uh, DJ, I think, is what they call him, okay. his first name. Yeah. He had a great start against yeah. Boston College last weekend, so, the, yeah. The, the line's only like five points in Clemson's favor, which is a very low line for Clemson because they're, you know, they've done so well. So Should uh, be exciting, 7.30 yeah. on Saturday, yeah. And, and Florida-Georgia play, big game. Yeah, and, big um, game, number five against number eight, yeah. and, you know, that's a 3.30 on Saturday. I mean, that's going to be a great game, yeah. and we'll get to see what, you know, if Georgia's really got the stuff that we think they do. I mean, it's yeah. they've been playing impressive. And South Carolina plays Texas A&M. Let's not forget about them. Of course you know? not. Yeah, and you guys, <laughs> yeah, I mean, good so, luck with that. That's yeah. all i got to say is good luck. <laughs> well, you know, we're getting into the uh, holiday season too man we got i'm starting to hear christmas commercials already it's like oh come on let's let's wait a little bit a little early let's do get past thanksgiving i always have a little revolt when i start seeing christmas decorations before thanksgiving and music too christmas music yeah a little early but hey it's we've got to think about some positive things here that's right a lot going on and speaking of positive things i mean we have some great topics here you know um i mean john we're going to start off with um the 10 don't do's uh, with your money. Mm-hmm. This is a Dave Ramsey. Uh, uh, basically, it's from Dave Ramsey. These come from Dave Ramsey. But, you know, there's a lot of things with your money you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And um, we got 10 of them here. And, I mean, these are going to hit home. Yeah. These are good. And people will probably recognize some of them, but uh, some of them are, are, are new conversations exactly. as well. And then we're going to switch gears and we're going to do a, a little deep dive into something called market capitalization. You hear that? term thrown around quite a bit and uh, we're going to dive into it and uh, explain what it is and why it's important and um, you know how it kind of impacts your investing strategy yeah a little bit of a technical discussion but it's important it yeah. does it is a por- important term to understand so that'll be good by the way i'm steve marbert i'm a dave ramsey smart investor pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice and i'm john travis i'm a dave ramsey certified counselor have an mba in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years 
We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to all the podcasts. And goodness, I think we're on, what, 350? Something like out there. that. A lot, a lot of them out there. So a lot, a lot of different topics. Go check that out. The website also has some, some pretty cool calculators and some forms that you want to check out as well. Uh, Facebook page, we do a prescription of the week every week. And um, some of them are funnier than others. We have our, our nerdy free spirit, Sarah, that uh, does she them occasionally. Does She's, she's yep. fun. You and I are a little bit more serious. Absolutely. You know, when we do them, but uh, check that out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we'd like to hear from you, too. So uh, link to us there on our website. Send us your questions. Um, we'll cover those here on the uh, on the show. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, you know, Steve, one of the conversations we've had with um, with a lot of you know clients over the last couple of weeks and much, quite frankly, is, gosh, I'm really nervous about the election and you know the uncertainty and who wins. And uh, you know, we've done uh, quite a few topics on this. The data says, uh, regardless of who wins, the, the market has done um, similar between Republican and Democrat. But here's the stat is on Election Day, um, the S&P 500 actually closed up almost 2%. And Steve, that was the wow. second highest uh, you know, rally in history. On and Election Day. On wow. Election Day. And so there was no one out there saying, hey, the market's going to be up 2% on Election Day. No one was doing that. Nobody predicted it. No. That's the and, key. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, so there are a lot of folks that, um, not a lot, there are some folks that really concerned and, and went more conservative because the potential of uh, volatility, and we still may see some, there's no doubt, but yeah. goodness, 2%, that was a very positive day. It was, it was, and it just goes to show you, and that's really to our point, that how unpredictable it is. Um, you know, there is volatility around elections, but that settles out pretty quickly, and then it gets focused back on the economy, and you know, I think the odds are in our favor for the economy at the remainder of the year, um, simply because you know, we're going to have some vaccine candidates that are out in a few weeks, yep. I think. Yep. You know, it looks that way, that data is going to be out on a couple of vaccine candidates. And that's got to be really positive for the economy if we get some kind of expiration date to this this doggone pandemic. Yeah, I think 2021 is, is shaping up to be a much different year. Uh, it's going to take so. a while to, to, you know, get the, the vaccines out there and uh, new pro- policies and procedures and so forth associated with it. But just don't try to predict the market. You, you can't do it. No one can do it. Um, you know, uh, the election day up of 2% was um, was pretty incredible. Surprise, um, I don't, yeah. I don't think many people um, thought it was going to be like that. So. Exactly. So the moral of the story is focusing on long-term goals, yes. invest for the long-term. Don't, be diversified. Don't. Exactly, exactly. So, all right, good fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is Ramsey's 10 Don't Do's With Your Money. John, I mean, yeah, we cover some of these sometimes, but these are – these are good, you know, and it's good to put all these together because he has a lot of great sayings, a lot of great, you know, um, things to, to live by. And um, these are put out by uh, Yahoo Finance, kind of put these together here very recently, uh, Sarah Coonan. And, um, but John, Ram- Jade Ramsey says that you have to stop causing your money troubles before you can solve them. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, you got to stop driving in the wrong direction before you try to navigate a path to a new, you know, a new path to success. And, uh, you know, I mean, and he's a great person to talk about this because he lost $4 million flipping houses. He actually made, gained $4 million, then he lost it all before age 30, Mm. you know, and that's when he had a change in direction and he became a huge success. So he knows a thing or two about money troubles. Yes, he does. He's been there. 
Absolutely. And um, so, well, he has so he's, he has 10 things here that you should stop doing with your money if you want to get on the road to success. So we're going to jump right into these for the sake of time so we can cover them all. But here's number one. Yeah, the first one is um, don't try to tackle the biggest debts first. And um, basically, Dave is well known for his debt snowball method. And yep. basically, that is go and hit the smallest one first, get you some small victories you know, it's going to inspire you to, to tackle the bigger ones. And then you take that payment on the smaller one and you roll it over to the next one. And then when you pay that one off, you roll it over to the next one. So that's a snowball uh, type, you know, thought associated with it. And so once your income is is freed up, you can finally use it to make progress towards, you know, other goals. So there's a debate in the industry of should you use the higher interest rate or the, you know, the, the smaller balance. And, and Dave's system works. I mean, I, we've, we've seen it, and uh, it's very right. positive when you start getting some wins. So try to try to stick with the smallest balance first. Yeah, and I love that philosophy because it's not intuitive, but it, it's not. It, it is about emotions and building some momentum and, you know, being able to mark some of those off the list that you got them paid off. And so I, I think that's a great way to tackle it. I love that. The next one here on the list is don't try to justify frivolous purchases. You know, I mean, if you want to become financially independent, you'll have to figure out, you know, where you can cut corners. And, you know, that means no more lattes or, or, or new jeans, right? But, you know, you say, I work hard every day, right? I deserve it. Well, Dave says, get over that. You know, well, I mean, I mean, with just a little bit of budgeting, most people learn that they're not nearly as strapped as they think they are. Overspending is what keeps people in debt, you know, especially the attitude that you deserve what you want. So, I mean, each shopping trip, you know, it's going to help fritter away your future. I mean, debt is is not the problem. It's a symptom. You know, debt is the result of disorganized, immature, buying things that you don't need stuff, you know, for people that you know, um, that, that don't live like Dave says. So, yeah, right. you know, the bottom line is don't try to justify those frivolous purchases. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta live on a budget. There's another word it's called contentment. Sometimes people think, you know, buying stuff is going to make you feel better. Well, right. there's a temporary high on that. And then, you know, then it goes away. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. The next one here is don't buy a new car. Kind of like a new um, car. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that new car smell though. Come yeah, on, I know. Dude. I mean, we love new cars, you know, that's what America does. Um, right. But, I mean, assume your car has four wheels, that's good enough for Dave Ramsey, what he says. I mean, buying the newest model of anything is a waste, um, you know, and that's that's the philosophy that he lives by that has made, you know, him a very big success when it comes to this kind of advice. So if you're tired of, you know, kitchen countertops or you want to upgrade to the latest and greatest, you know, cell phone, think again. Don't steal from your needs to pay for what you want. Um, you know, Dave says no one should buy a new car unless he has a net worth in excess of $1 million. Um, and that's probably good advice, you know, because cars can, they lose a huge chunk of their value as soon as you drive them off the lot, right? I mean, they depreciate like 20% per year, 15 to 20% per year on average. Um, and the average millionaire drives a four-year-old car with 41,000 miles on it. And of course, it's paid for. They paid cash for it as well. So, you know, they haven't made car payments in decades, 
and that's what makes them millionaires, he says. Yeah, another one here on the list, number four, is don't use a credit card for what you can buy with cash. And um, so Dave says you don't need fancy software to help you save. you got to have a budget. Um, and when you have that budget, withdraw that amount of cash for that item and put it into an envelope. So you have a gas envelope and a grocery envelope. And uh, anytime you need money to, to, to go to the grocery store, you have an envelope, you pull out the cash, and that's how you spend. And it certainly is old school, but it works. I mean, if you can be disciplined with sticking with the cash that you have budgeted for, you know, X, Y, Z, uh, you can stay away from credit cards. And, um, you know, cash... It makes you watch, you know, where it's going, and it's also painful when you're handing over a $20 bill for things. So the envelope system is a great idea. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's good. And then the next one here on the list, though, is don't spend when you can invest. You know, Dave Ramsey appeared on the Larry King Live show uh, a few years ago, and, um, you know, the Dow was doing really well, and unemployment was steadily increasing. And Larry King wanted to know, well, if the economy is so great, why are Americans suffocating in debt? And Ramsey said it was because of stage, uh, wage stagnation, you know, it's played a significant factor. But that's no excuse. Americans have a spending problem. So in order to make money on your on your mutual funds and your investments, you have to put money into their 401k. So you got to get it going in there. So, you know, um, if you had been doing that, you know, over the last 10 years, your money would have tripled. Um, you don't reap the benefits of a flourishing economy by consuming more um, you know, it's investing that brings wealth. So Dave says you gotta, you gotta stop spending money yeah. on frivolous things. You gotta invest instead of spending money. There you go. Yeah. So next one here is don't go to a fancy college. Um, you know, if you're in the top of your class, so why wouldn't you attend the best school, right? Why wouldn't you attend an Ivy League school if you can, if you can get in? Well, according to a, a 2018 university study, three quarters of all jobs that pay more than $35,000 are held by people with some form of higher education. But don't set yourself up for failure by saddling yourself with a mountain of debt. You know, in 2020, I mean, this year, you know, the amount of student debt in the United States was estimated to be $1.5 trillion. Wow, big number. I mean, it's a huge number. And graduates are struggling with ways to deal with these piles of unpaid loans. They don't go away either, John. I mean, as you know, if you declare bankruptcy, it follows you. You yes. can't get rid of that debt. Um, so Ramsey says, you know, the important thing is getting the decent education without taking out loans, without ending up with a ton of debt, not the prestige of having an Ivy League school diploma on your wall, you know. And that's the biggest lie that we've we've been le uh, led to believe um, is where you went to school has some correlation with f future success. He says that is not true. It has almost no correlation with your success. Yeah, number seven here is um, don't splurge once you graduate. So when you leave school and you find your first job, um, you know, you may feel like you have money to burn, but, you know, you got to be careful. Um, you know, you, you got to, if you have student loan debt, you've got to pay that off. If you have car loan debt, you have to pay that off. Get an emergency fund. You may have to continue to eat, um, you know, Raymond noodles and uh, instant coffee for a little bit, but try to live like a uh, like a college student until you can get past the debt and the emergency fund. Because when you do that, you start building wealth, and that's baby step four. So, yeah, be careful. Uh, you know, we see a lot of folks when they graduate and they have a good income. Well, they need to put that towards, you know, some of the the debt issues that they have. So that that's a big one. Yeah, that is a big one. That's good. And next one here is don't give your kids an allowance. And this is one I like, you know, when I, my kids were small, I, I lived by this because I, I really believe this. 
and we've talked about this before, but Dave says America doesn't have a debt crisis. It has a parenting crisis. Mm. <laughs> you know, and financial literacy starts at home, and parents are setting their kids up by failure by giving them an allowance. Um, you know, and he just doesn't like the word allowance. You know, it kind of sounds like you're you're not good enough, so you have to you have to do something. We have to do something for you. You have to give you something for free. Um, kind of sounds like welfare instead, you know, I mean, he calls it a commission. Um, so you got paid for doing chores. That's work, you know, so get paid, you know, or you, or you don't work. Um, and you don't get paid. He says his daughter, Rachel, Rachel Cruz has, um, you know, co-authored the book, smart money, smart kids. And, um, you know, she agrees with that, you know, kids quickly learn that money doesn't come from mom and dad. Um, from their back pocket, you know, if they're paid a commission and if they're paid for chores instead of giving an allowance. So, of course, Ramsey said that, you know, all the work that he did, uh, all the work for his, what all he did for his kids was age appropriate, right? So you don't give your four-year-old, of course, you know, tasks that they can't do. You don't send them off to the salt mines, as he says, but instead you give them something that's appropriate for them that they can do. But at the same time, let them earn their money. Don't give them an allowance. Sets them up for, for failure. Next um, is don't buy an engagement ring from a jewelry store. Now, this is one I've never heard before. I haven't either, yeah. Yeah, this is good. Um, you know, you don't want to dazzle. I know you want to dazzle her, but don't start your life out together with a pile of debt. So on a recent appearance, Dave said he was asked about a popular rule of thumb that helps suitors decide how much to spend on an engagement <laughs> ring. <laughs> the jewelry store says three months of salary. I've heard up to six now. It, you okay. Know, industry, Have you? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. It keeps going up. Of course, same thing with a wedding, right? Yeah. How much to spend on it? Well, you know, he says one month. Um, you know, diamonds are like furniture. You know, they've got a huge markup. So where you buy it from can be very, very important. So if you go to a diamond broker or someone who knows a little bit about diamonds, um, even a high-end pawn shop, he says you can get a ring for a, a quarter on the dollar, um, you know, even at a really good quality stone in it. So basically he's saying you save a ton of money by buying a used a used diamond, used ring. He says, you know, don't buy it from a, a jewelry store. And I mean, I think that's great advice because yeah. jewelry, yeah, it has a huge markup. Yeah. And the last one here is don't try to get rich too quickly and, uh, you know, coming into a sudden windfall or... You know, getting uh, fortunate is is uh, very unusual. So, but building wealth takes time, and and ninety percent of millionaires that Dave has met um, did it gradually without taking on huge risk. And um, he's certainly not about getting, you know, rich quick. But uh, that comes with a lot of risk and making bad decisions. So, you know, we've seen uh, young athletes get money, and it basically destroys their life. So. Uh, you know, the book of Proverbs sums it up really well. It's like wealth grown hastily will dwindle. Um, so, you know, most most people that are, you know, the everyday millionaires, it, it takes time to build wealth over time. So don't try to do it, you know, quick and, and make big mistakes. Yeah. All right. Well, those are great, great, 10 great advice items from Dave Ramsey, as usual. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this is uh, has to do with a pension, and we're getting a lot of folks coming in, Steve, that are, uh, you know, they're they have an option um, with their work of, uh, you know, taking a lump sum or taking the annuity payout. And question is, is which one's the right answer? And mm. it's different for each person. You can actually yeah. go in and, and figure out what the uh, interest rate assumption is. We've seen some recently in the two and a half percent range, which is pretty low. So the question is, is can, can you do better than two and a half percent out in the market? 
over time. And I mean, history would say, yeah, that would be pretty easy to, to beat. So, but there's some other factors in their health, um, kind of their view of the market and so forth. So each decision is really, um, there's two, two answers. One of them is a financial answer. The other one is kind of a personal preference answer. So, uh, it depends on the, the individual situation. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're going to take a lump sum, then you have to be replace that monthly pension yes. with what it makes, you know, and with that lump sum money invested in the market. And like you said, you got to be able to beat the assumed interest rate that's used in calculating that pension. Generally it's two or 3%, um, in that range. So, you know, I like to, to take those monthly pension, uh, numbers they give you run a present value on that at a, at a, at your at your life expectancy um and ca- and compare that to the lump sum mm-hmm. and see if that's a bigger number than lump sum or smaller number see how that compares to lump sum and then you know kind of what you know whether it's a fair yeah pension or not compared to lump sum and then you make a determination of how how you know what in your situation do you want it to be guaranteed like a pension are you willing to take a little bit of risk and make a better yeah. return? I'll tell you that that Dave Dave's view on it is is take the lump sum all the time. Yeah, I mean he, that's just yeah. what he views of you know because then you control it and you know the other benefit is that it can you know once you die the lump sum if it's managed correctly and still there you can pass it on to your heirs once you die with the pension it's gone. Yeah, right? I mean most people do that as yep. we know yep. you know most people take the lump sum but you do have to make sure that it's an equal lump sum to the pension. Yes. Because, I mean, like school teachers are an example where I've seen some of the lump sums oh, were ridiculously small. low yeah. compared to a huge pension. No brainer. You, you got to yeah. take the pension yeah. in that case. So right, you right. got to do that math of yep. calculating whether it's an equal uh, trade off. Yep. So, um, but good, great question of the week. So let us know if we can help you with one of those calculations. Um, all right, and that leads up to our next topic here, and that is what is market capitalization, John, and why do we care? Yeah, people throw that word around a lot, and um, you know, we're going to take a closer look at it. We're just going to kind of dive into it. So, it's, you know, market capitalization is also known as market cap. It's basically the total value of all the company's stock. And um, you know, Dave's not a big believer in in individual stocks, but it's good to know the market capitalization terminology. Um, because it's going to impact how you invest. So, um, Steve, we'll kind of start off with why, why is it important? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, why, why do you want to know that? Well, I mean, it's important because it kind of lets you know, as an investor, um, the relative size of a company versus another, you know, and it lets you compare companies. It measures a company's worth on the open market, and it's what investors are willing to pay for the stock. So it's all the stock. All the shares of stock outstanding times the price of the stock per right. share, right? Is It comes up with the market capitalization. And um, a lot of people kind of mistake a company's stock price as a representation of its of its value um, and whether it's healthy or stable. And that's just looking at the per share price. So it really has nothing to do with whether the company's big or small or yeah. whether the value. Yeah, so as um, as an example, you know, if you look in the, the the fall of this year, PepsiCo company had a stock price of 139 while competitor Coke was only $49. But when you looked at all the shares outstanding, Coke's market cap is um, north of $220 billion, where Pepsi was just over $188 billion. So the stock price is a piece of the equation, but you have to look at the number of shares um, that are out there to give a true representation of the actual value. So that's right. Yeah. So market cap values they also influence um, a lot of the indexes, like S and P 500 index includes the top 500 U.S. companies that are weighted 
based on their market cap value. And um, not only does it represent the overall market trends and attitudes, uh, but these are also used as benchmarks. So it's just a standard of measurement, basically. So what um, what are the three? There are basically three market cap sizes. Um, Steve, will jump into it. The first one is, yeah. large is caps. most people are familiar with. Yeah, it's large caps, right? And it's it's companies that tend to have a market capitalization of $10 billion or more. And that sounds like a huge number, but... You know, compared to, to the big companies out yeah. there like Apple and you know Amazon, Some of them are a trillion. Yeah, they're they're almost a trillion. So it's it really is. Uh, you know, that's kind of the break point. Ten billion dollars. Large caps often have a reputation of producing, you know, kind of consistent goods and services that things you'd recognize. Um, you know, and they're brand names that typically ring a bell for most people, and and they think of those as more stable, and they are. You know, they're a little bit more stable. Um, investments in large caps are considered safer, for that reason, than small caps or mid caps, and they do pose less risk. Of course, the trade-off is they also tend to have less growth over time, and history has proven that. Yeah. Uh, so the second type of category is mid cap, and that's between two and ten billion. Dollars and most of these countries are experiencing, you know, pretty good growth. Um, they're, uh, you know, they're medium-sized companies. They're in the process of increasing their market share and improving their overall competitors. And at some some point, if they grow enough, they'll actually be in the large cap category. So between two and ten billion is the mid cap. Yeah, and then there's small caps. Small caps tend to be between about three hundred million to two billion. Um, which are still big companies, right? I mean, they're not like mom and pop shops yep. down here. I mean, they're publicly traded companies, John. But at the same time, you know, some of them are names you would not recognize. A lot of them you would. Um, a lot of them are restaurant chains, you know, or, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings is one, Ancestry.com, iRobot. I mean, so there are a lot of them out there that you would recognize. Um, but they're publicly traded companies, but a lot of times they're more regional. They're not national Maybe, um, you know, and they, um, but anyway, small caps tend to have a higher return over time. So it's a, it's a very valuable place to diversify into. It helps your, gives you stability overall. There are times when small caps do, do better than large caps and they'll do it when small, large caps aren't doing well. Like from nine, from 2000 to 2009, Mm -hmm. small caps did well while large caps made nothing for 10 years. Right. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, so that's small cap. So the question is, why does size matter? Well, because you know, if you look at Coca Cola, uh, you know they have a few hundred million dollars to uh, to go buy something. They have more resources, basically, and also when you go through a difficult time in the economy, they have they are, they're able to most of the time be able to weather it. Small companies, you know, have uh, less resources and they are riskier. They have more volatility. But as you mentioned, um, you know, they, they historically have provided more return. So making sure you're diversified is very, very key. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what impacts, you know, market cap? Um, well, there's a couple of factors to help determine a company's market cap. Um, you know, it's the value of the shares times the number of shares issued. That really is it. And, you know, companies can buy back stock to yeah. kind of, you know, increase their they can actually you know increase their market cap by doing that. Um, you know, it's reinvested dividends, a lot of things over time, but the bottom line is it, it it's the number of shares outstanding, you know, times the, the dollar per share. Yeah. And so when you're investing and, you know, we recommend 15%, um, and that's what Dave recommends as well, you know, putting it into 401ks and Roth IRAs and so forth, but you want to make sure you understand that market cap. You want to have some large stocks in there, but you also want to have some small stocks, um, in the U S international, you want to be diversified, 
Uh, they, they behave differently sometimes, and that's where the diversification comes in. So just understanding the market cap piece is just a piece of the puzzle. So Yeah, it just helps you understand a major component of diversification. Yes. Um, so that's a good good term to learn. All right, and that leads us up here to our last topic, and that is the uh, prescription of the week. Yeah, so we got Christmas coming up, did you? Yeah, well, wow, yeah. just two months away now. I know, goodness, yeah. it's crazy. It's yeah. early. We got Thanksgiving before Christmas, Yes, though. thank goodness. We got a little bit of time to, to plan on this, but, you know, instead of buying physical gifts, consider your your time as a gift. Um, maybe it's a, a lunch date with your son or daughter or um, a horseback ride through Hitchcock Woods. Uh, Tammy actually um, did that for my birthday. Oh, really? So we did, yeah. I mean, That's we've cool. lived in Aiken for a very long time, and uh, we've been in Hitchcock Woods, but we've never ridden horses. So she got that as my birthday present, and it was How pretty cool. cool. It was a beautiful day, and uh, yeah. it was... Yeah, I was a little intimidated by that. But, you know, think about creating <laughs> memories versus just buying physical gifts. Uh, you know, as you as you get older and it's hard to buy gifts for people, so think right. about your time as a gift. People value that. And, um, and a lot of times it can be, it doesn't have to cost money, right? You can build True. something or so forth. I, yeah, so. I love to see things that people made. You know, it's more meaningful. Yeah. We did that one time, made made uh, birdhouses for, for folks in our family, and they've been kind of an heirloom, you know, that have been passed on for quite a while now. So, um, so there's a lot of neat things you can do without spending a lot of money, without breaking the bank at Christmas. And, um, you know, any kind of time gift, like you said, you know, where you where you do something special for somebody, I think is a great way to do it. And, uh, you know, and this year might be a great year to do that because, you know, Christmas is probably going to be a little different yeah. with the pandemic going on here. No doubt. No doubt. We had um, an ice storm, I think it was back in 2014, and um, we had some cedar trees on our property that um, uh, were demolished and really good wood. So Matthew took some of those branches whittled them down, um, sanded them, and now we have them as walking sticks. Oh, cool. Yeah, it is. And it's a great, great stick. And he uh, he uh, engraved his name on it and so forth. But, you know, I mean, that's six years ago, and it will be wow. with us for a long time. Something so. you'll keep forever. Yeah, yeah that's right. No doubt. Right. Yeah, I love homemade stuff like that. Yep. It just really, really makes it special. Okay, good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there. Send us your questions, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.